Well, the roads were uh, kind of empty today. Yeah. I, I imagine that's because what, what time did that game go till? <laughs> no, after 12. Wow. So, yeah, so everyone's uh, everyone's <laughs> sleeping. Okay, so we are in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, uh, part 1. But this might be only, we'll see, it might be part 1 of 1, or it could be part 1 of 2, James 5, 7 through 11. Reading from uh, verse 7, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and the late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you to yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. And as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed and who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Okay, those are our verses for today. Uh, it was supposed to be a two-part series, but it might be only a one-part series. Okay. We'll see. Um, and I just have this postscript from last week's lesson okay. on our uh, second law of thermodynamics discussion about rusting and fading and <laughs> the flesh fading like flowers. Well, this guy, Vulugvid Boltzmann, uh, on his grave oh. stone, oh. he has this Formula. Formula for okay. entropy, right? And he, I guess he's the guy who developed what K is, the constant. That was his contribution. And they put it on his gravestone. Interesting. <laughs> but it's interesting that isn't that death is the ultimate result of entropy, like mm-hmm. going from a higher state to a lower state <laughs> or going to chaos. Um, and like in Genesis 2.17, dying, you shall surely die. And this, I don't think he had it put on. I think his surviving relatives had this formula put on. But isn't it so true? You put that on your gravestone and it is, it's truth. And so, yeah. So there you go about entropy. So verse 7 here, therefore be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. So first we have to cover therefore. Why is it therefore, therefore? That's pretty good. Has everyone, or did I steal that joke from That's, someone? It's, it's hopefully pretty well known. Yeah, yeah. It's, we always talk about that, but I, I modified it a bit there. Go ahead. Jay Vernon McGree. I think that's yeah. right. Oh, it's Jay. And I know yeah. Bob uses it a lot. So. Yeah, well, I think Jay Vernon McGee, was, that's the first one I thought. He it was, okay. Let's, let's give due credit now, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have, <laughs> yeah, I should have put in the, uh, the reference to him there. Um, so let's review though, before we get started on the verse, uh, five, one through six. And so we had these very wealthy landowners last week. Uh, with lots of money, but they were hiring laborers and then not paying them for completed work. And that's the violation of God's law. And not only that, that it's God's mind and his heart is 
you know, uh, pay, pay laborers. Uh, here's the law though from Deuteronomy chapter 24. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and his heart is set on it so that he will not cry against you, uh, to the Lord and it becomes sin to you. Um, so yeah, don't wait, wait two weeks to pay. Oh, yeah. yeah, that'd be nice to get paid every day. Um, so James's former congregates in Jerusalem who had scattered were in turmoil. They were troubled. They were suffering under trial. And that's how we begin James, uh, James one to consider it all joy when we encounter various trials, uh, that the, the trials produces endurance, right? And that's what we're talking about today still. So he's on the, he's very consistent, James, with his themes here. Um, this is our main theme, uh, maybe the main theme of the whole, the book. So this being, therefore be patient. Being patient is, this will be review for some of you who are in Wednesday night's, uh, Bible study. Cause I, I brought this up cause I just, Thought about that during that Bible study, but being patient, patience is macrothumia, thumeo, um, and that's, it's, it's a command, so it's an active imperative, it's aorist, uh, tense, it's be patient, uh, and we are to live in the, a state of patience as a fact of life, um, when we encounter these trials. Um, so macro means long, you know, long, and then thumos is passion or anger or heat. So be long heat, long heated. Um, and it, so, and I think Merriman would bring this out. It means to have a long fuse, so light the fuse, make sure that fuse is long and it takes a long time, just like those, uh, Wiley Coyote cartoons they would light a fuse and then they would do all this stuff and the yeah. fuse would be going and going and all this action would and then he'd forget he lit a fuse a couple minutes ago and then yeah. he always got caught in an explosion so have that long fuse um, and the, the real the real meaning is to do not Engage in revenge or before you do have a long fuse about it, because uh, the Lord will take care of the vengeance. Um, so long suffering is the, the main part there. So be long, long suffering brethren until the coming of the Lord. Now the coming of the Lord is uh, parousia and it's that way in all these uh, couple of verses the coming of the lord um that is to be to be near to be alongside uh and it, it it's the presence it's not only the coming of someone like they get on a, a wagon train and they come to your town the coming of that person but it's their continued presence of that person physically <coughs> is the idea of parousia so we know that that is referencing the rapture and the initial arrival is the rapture. 
the coming of Christ in the clouds for us. Today there will be no rapture, unfortunately, because <laughs> okay. yeah. right. that's, no clouds, that's right. biblical. I think we have that rule here at Holly Hills now. Mike, <laughs> no clouds, no rapture. No, no clouds, clouds, no rapture. So, yeah, it's it's really neat when there's no you see, there's not a cloud in the sky. So uh, so you can. You have one more day to get your stuff in order before the rapture happens, right? Parousia is that word. Um, he remains with us, so his continued presence is the parousia, is the the idea there. Um, uh, and not only are we to be patient about his being raptured or Christ's coming, is um, we are... Uh, so there's two patiences in this verse. You see them, therefore be patient. And then later on, being patient about it. So there's an, uh, there's another command about it, yeah. and that's an, mm-hmm. uh, aorist imperative. That's one. Uh, and then the other one, let's see, uh, repeats. Oh, and the other one that's repeated is a present active participle. So present tense. So go on being patient about it. So twice in one verse. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and could you say, Andrew, that we think about that? That's we have Christ's patience, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we are to, by faith, live that out. So maybe that's uh, I was trying to. Think yeah. About why? Why is one aorist? Yeah, it's interesting why one is aorist. Aorist. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, it's a fact that we have his patience. Well, yeah. Fact, we know what joy is. Yeah. We have the fruits of the spirit, and I read the aorist is like a state of being. Just live in that surrounding of being patient. But in the if you struggle in the moment, you have to remember to be being patient in the moment too. So, and that's fruit of the spirit, not from Galatians five. Um, so these believers, and this is uh, Gerald B. Stanton, and I think uh, Roy turned me on to. This book, Gerald D. Stanton, kept from the hour. Um, he says these believers, uh, all through the first century, uh, Peter's flock and Paul's flock and James' flock knew that this parousia was coming soon, that Christ was going to return soon without any delay. So they were being impatient about it. So that's why he, he gives them this command to be patient about it. Because these believers want Christ to stick it to the rich men, right, from verse 1 in chapter 5, who are oppressing them, because they knew that he would take care and of that situation for them. Now they were impatient about it, so he's reminding them to be patient for Christ's return. Um, patient like a farmer in this verse, it says, who waits for the precious produce of the soil. Um, he puts his seed in the ground for the season, and then he has to wait for the fall harvest. Is that when they, I'm not a farmer, <laughs> in the fall, right? It's when they harvest. <laughs> uh, which is coming up, isn't it? Um, I think we're here. <laughs> yeah, and so I could see that being an anxious situation because you don't know what's – you have your seed in the ground. You don't know what's going to happen if there could be a disaster or a drought. And so you're uptight about it. It's it's an anxious uh, kind of season. So 
Israel, where we are here in this letter, well, James is there, um, has, and, and these believers who scattered from Israel probably went up north, uh, due to prosecution, uh, persecution from the Romans. Uh, Israel has two seasons, October through May, and the second season is May through September. So the first period's rains come in late October and early November, um, is when the early rains come and the late, late participate, uh, precipitation is in the late March, early April, uh, season when the crops are maturing. But isn't that the, uh, did I get that backwards? So would they be maturing in the spring or would they just be put in the ground? That, that looks right. Is it okay? Yeah, actually, yeah. thanks, Miles. Yeah, we have Miles. <laughs> we need Miles. Who, help. It's a reverse. It's it's kind of reverse months to our you know our season here. Right? We, like they, they oh. they're planting in in the, in the fall months and harvesting in the in the. Oh right, because they're in right. a different geo. Yeah, in a different. Yeah, okay. So that makes sense. But here it's the opposite, right? We harvest in the fall, but. The, so the point is, there's two two seasons and two rains. Yeah, um, pretty much two rains, an early and a late rain. Um, and so we're to be patient, like the farmer, and to wait to that. Um, so verse eight, um, you too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. So I say, be like the farmer and wait for the return of the Lord. Um, so, and these scattered believers are going to know a farmer or they've done this when they were down in Jerusalem. They're going to be very familiar with this, um, the crop season that he's referencing. Um, referencing Deuteronomy 11:20 through, that should be, uh, not 12, I'll fix that, um, 23, maybe 22, I think, yeah, I think so I mean, there. 11, 20 through 22 there. Okay. So, um, so the, in Deuteronomy, it says, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this, the promised land, God says, is not like, he's telling the, uh, Israelites this, is not like what you knew in Egypt where you had a, uh, basically a vegetable garden that you could water by foot. I take that to mean you could walk the length of it and water yourself. The land which I'm sending you that you're going to is a land of hills and valleys and drinks water from the rain of heaven. And God's care is always on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So that in this verse Seven and eight, that's what James is sort of referencing is, and these Jewish believers, they knew, uh, what it said there in Deuteronomy. They're very familiar with it. The parousia is near. Um, so it's imminent. Uh, it's overhanging or it hangs suspended on, on the world today and the world back then. And they knew that. And we, we should know that now, although we probably often forget that. Um, the prophetic calendar is clear for Christ's arrival. Nothing needs to happen. Um, doesn't mean that's going to be ha- happen immediately, but it, nothing prevents it from happening. And that over it 
so that coming of Christ in the clouds is overhanging. I like that. Hangs suspended. So in the mountains, <clears throat> I see that all the time when that the the snow shed gets really high on the roofs and then it melts a little, then goes over the eaves and then it hangs suspended over the eave of the house and it even curls up on itself and turns to ice on the inside. And you know that, and they have signs, you know, <laughs> right. like just don't walk here because that <laughs> yeah. snow shed is going to shed at any moment. And I think some people, I don't know They've if this right. tell you, some people, like I got hurt or killed when that snow fell on him. Really? Yeah. And then they're three-story buildings sometimes, so it's that. very yeah. dangerous. So I like that mm-hmm. snow um, example for that overhanging or hanging suspended. Mm-hmm. So even though there's no clouds today, <laughs> the rapture is still <laughs> overhanging, and <laughs> and even there's, there's no snow. So <laughs> you know, I was going to say, Andrew, I think it's an interesting picture to use the, of, of a crop maturing because, I mean, if you if you're familiar with with uh, planting crops, I mean, once it's in the ground, once it's growing, I mean, harvest is inevitable. It's it's coming. None of the farmers know exactly when it's going to be ripe to 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 start combining. Yeah, but, I mean, it will come. <laughs> it's that, it's that certain. Right, and and you don't know the quality of it, what it no. will be, right? And that causes, am I right in that? It's saying that, yeah. Miles, yeah, that the guys causes up here this year were really surprised by their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's good, and sometimes not so good. Um, yeah. So other um, Paul and John would. Uh, referred to the parousia as, uh, as the Lord is near and mm-hmm. or it is the last hour, Peter, or John says that in 1 John 2. Um, and the Lord is near as Philippians from Philippians chapter 4. Um, and Peter has a word for it too. I didn't write that uh, in the today's lesson. But, uh, you know, every, and that again is from uh Gerald Stanton kept from the hour, um, that overhanging uh, comment. So good, good little book. Um, so on to verse nine, do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. So with this, um, coming of the Lord being imminent, um, it's a reason to behaviorally be in line with his, his coming. He's right at the door. Um, this word for complain, when I was looking at it, it's not what I expected. Um, what you we usually think of it is to, when you complain about something, you express feelings of pain or you voice your discontent or your dis satisfaction isn't that what complaining is voicing your dissatisfaction and then even you bring an accusation against someone um you know i i i, I think of uh, uh human you go to human resources right complain <laughs> about a co-worker that's a complaint so that's in my mind but this this word is stanazzo which is more it, it would be 
in the Greek, it'd be maybe better to say, do not sigh or groan or have a grudge against a brother. And it's a present active command. Um, and it's, I thought it was like Charlie Brown, you know, right, saying, oh, good grief. That's uh, what he always said. And he'd roll his eye, oh, good grief. That, I think, is it hits it uh, what the stanazzo is, uh, this type of complaining. And even more, there's um, there's an element of a gentle fault finding with this stanazzo. Um, so it's a gentle judgment. Um, yet we are not to be judged like that. Even sigh about things, which is really it's hard not to do that, right? Yeah. Not to say or roll your eyes or um, because judge not, lest you be judged. Um, I think of a when yeah in baseball when especially little league but sometimes in uh, my like my son's division one league uh, like throw to first and then it's thrown high and the first baseman can't get it and it, it's overthrown and then all the bases start running and it's like oh <laughs> good grief is is the exact I think that's Stanazzo. Um and you groan about it. You don't make a complaint or, dis- well, you would <laughs> make a dissatisfaction about it. Some parents are really vocal about those things. But, uh, and even professional oh, yeah. uh, baseball, right? Well, those, they, they get a lot more how, violent than that. How did you do that? Um, uh, but Macaulay says it's more of an inner groan or more than so than an outward complaint. An unexpressed bitterness at the thought. Um, so yeah, it, and if you have that, you're gonna get, you're gonna keep it here, and you're gonna get an ulcer, right? Yeah. About a groaning or inner dissatisfaction with with your brother. Um, yep. Andrew, before you go go on, did you pick up yeah. on the? I think Weist renders that "do not" there as "stop." Oh, stop. So it's, if I, if I understand, and maybe Roy can correct me here, it's, the action is already going on. They're already complaining. So he's saying, stop. Yeah. I mean, do not is kind of mild. Stop is, you're already doing it. Stop it. So I, I think that's correct. Yeah. In this case. Okay. Stop complaining. That, and that's all within the do not? I think so. And that makes sense too, right? So these believers were up there and they were being persecuted and, James got wind that they were voice or just all up in grief about their situation up there. So, yeah, that would stop, stop complaining and stop even it's it's an inward thing, which is really hard, right? Inward sins, which are Mm -hmm. that you you don't voice, but you keep inside of you. That's yeah, that takes some. Uh, a lot of sp- like spiritual maturity. Um, so point two of verse nine, uh, the judge is standing right at the door. And um, I'm punting on this one. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm leaving the interpretation up for a little discussion if you okay. want to chime in. Uh, but I think uh, we'll look at it. We'll explore it a little. So the first question I came up with is, from Revelation here, Revelation 3.20, um, 
Christ says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me or sup with him. Um, and I took that to mean uh, he'll come into your heart. But these are, he's talking to Laodicean believers, right? right. Um, uh, so it's directed towards believers. And I don't think, I don't think James is referring, first, that's way in the future that Christ says this, and uh, probably 50 or 60 years into the future in Revelation, he gives that to John about the seven churches. So, and we're way before that, we're James now, you know, 50, 60 years prior. So, unless the Holy Spirit gave him that knowledge of of this uh, the judges standing right at the door and they so they you can connect them yeah right yeah. and i at first i was connecting them but now I, I i don't think so i think it's christ is about to open the door of judgment his day of the lord well, program you know what's interesting i i have a little footnote that it's actually plural it's doors oh okay i, I mean I, i'm not sure what that means at the moment but this this so it's, it's plural, according to this footnote I have. Andrew, don't you, don't you think, too, to that this relates maybe to what you covered back in Chapter 4? Uh, not judging your brother. It's, I mean, the ultimate judge is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this does not necessarily have to relate temporally to, you know, right right now or in the near future or the distant future. It just says, you know, we're, we're to be careful not to be judging one another. Yeah. And, Exactly. If you look back in uh, chapter four, that's yeah. what you'll see um, at around around uh, uh, what is it, verse eleven ish or so. Yeah, that's right, Roy. Verse eleven, I think. Yeah. And you read that, uh, Roy. Or uh, do not speak against one another, brethren. Right. He who speaks against the brother or judges he the brother speaks against the law judges the law. And it goes on to say in verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. So why are you doing it, right? Right, right. But, and this verse nine here of chapter five, would it, and I'm seeing that as that judgment that you just referenced, it's, there's nothing, it could, he could do that uh, imminently, right? He, Right, and it's actually don't grumble against each other. Don't grumble against each other, which right. is the same kind of a picture. And other believers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so that that's, that's, and that was uh, chapter four, verse eleven. Uh, yeah, it, okay. it goes on to uh, what verse twelve ish. Uh-huh. You uh, think that yeah, perhaps. Like the, the, the phrase in verse eight about the coming of the Lord is near. It's almost one of those mental, it gets our minds thinking about the future coming of the Lord. And then we get down to in, in verse nine and we think, oh, the judge is standing right at the door. He's talking about the future coming of the Lord, but that's, that's actually not what he's talking about because when the Lord comes, he doesn't come as our judge, right? You got it. Like for yeah. believers. That's true. Yeah. But, but he, but right now he is in a, in a process of, of judging in terms of, you know, he's got a dis- he's got discipline for us as believers. There is judgment of what what we're doing and what we're not doing, and, and he he's working that out so that when he comes, he doesn't come as our judge. But that's really that's quite that's fascinating, Andrew. 
Yeah, yeah Miles, to, the, to some extent, too, what Andrew shared in terms of uh, Sanazo, in terms of the grumbling and that kind of expression of this term in, in verse 9, you're really looking that as something that is judging your brother when you're grumbling about something, right? It's a more subtle form, and it may yeah. not be expressed, but in a sense, it's the same way. I mean, it's only the new life we have in Christ Jesus that allows us to be free of this grumbling, right? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So, so the Holy Spirit's in the business of constantly reminding us of this new life we're to live in by faith and not let the old man show up and grumble and judge. So, anyway. And 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 the patience here in view is we are quite often uh, judged not just by the world as being you're insane you believe that but also by believers and believer to believer criticize one another and we suffer under that just like Job did from his friends David uh, you know and and many others and Moses too. Yeah. Um well that was that was a good discussion. Yeah, that's right? great. So um <laughs> that's good. That's good. And yeah, I was thinking about this he is when he when we're raptured and I, I recycled this again, which we often do here at Holly Hills, but this uh this timeline uh the, the judgment but he could be what we are judged at the bema seat, but it's not for sin, and it's not for its rewards. So, um, but maybe he's saying you're judged loss of rewards um, because you're, you know, you don't uh, obviously get rewarded for grumbling or complaining, and so you're going to suffer if you persevere through and not. You could get rewarded for not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Um, but it's just a thought, but he is during the program. He's going to judge. He's going to judge the unbelieving living during, uh, at the end of the, uh, tribulation period there. So, you know, James could be talking about that judgment and not, it's, it's tough because Paul is the one who brought about the the bema seat judgment, right? Well, Andrew, but back to the, pl- the plural doors, it makes me think it's not just one. If it's only one door, then that kind of focuses on it's one event. But if it's doors, plural, oh, doors. I think it is. Um, His that judgment means, program, because yeah. So this is this is goes along yeah. with what Bob and and okay, Lord yeah. saying it. Oh, this is good. Yeah, you know. So there's the bema seat judgment, or bema seat rewards. There's the sheep and the goats judgment. Um, what else is in there? There's the great white throne judgment. So this whole judgment program is coming. So that now my uh, thanks. <laughs> a lot. I opened it for discussion, and now my my. Uh, chart or my picture is going to be wrong maybe because i say you are here and we are there's my door okay but it's just one door it's only one door so now i'm gonna have to no i don't so this is how you know i i I read it that the, the door to the the whole day of the lord program is right imminent and the judge is right there at the door. So, but 
after the discussion, you know, that's, <laughs> that's good so stuff. It's doors, yeah. So who knows? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So here I have OTs. So just a little aside to that, um, here's the, here's a picture of William Holman Hunt, and this is his depiction of Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Um, uh, and McGee brought, and this, J. Vernon McGee brought this picture up, so I looked it up. So I don't know why he, he brought it up, but there you go. There's that famous, I guess it's a famous picture of, Christ standing at the door, knocking. And you'll notice that on the door, so that now we're in the side, we're (laughs) chasing a rabbit rabbit trail. trail, Yeah, (laughs) but you can see that the weeds are growing up over the door, and then there's no handle on the door. And that the artist said, well, this man's heart is, or woman's heart is closed and hasn't been opened in a long time. uh, And she can only open it from the inside, right? There's the handle is on the inside, so so Christ has to well there you go. Christ <laughs> has to knock and that's the depiction of that Laodicea's uh heart there. Neither lukewarm they're lukewarm, neither hot or cold. Um so again from Gerald B. Stanton, which I'm using a lot today from the coming of the Lord is a reason to live with purifying hope from Titus 2, 13 and 14. It's a reason to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. Uh, again, from the same section of verses. Coming of the Lord is a reason to live soberly from 1 Peter chapter 1, 13. Uh, coming of the Lord is a reason to live patiently, and that's our verse from today, with sincerity in purity, um, and in brotherly love and holiness, First Thessalonians 3, 12 through 13. Um, there's a really nice quote here uh, from James Brooks in Maranatha, which is, I think it, it says, the Lord is coming is what that means. And he says, if we heartedly, and practically believe that the Lord may come from his, for his people at any moment. It must separate from the world and kill selfishness and blast the roots of personal ambition and increase brotherly love and intensify zeal and deepen concern for the salvation of the lost and give comfort in affliction and put us in a state of preparedness for the great interview like a bride arraying herself to meet the bridegroom. He says, oh, there's no truth in the Bible that can bring greater blessing to the soul, but is largely hindered if we are taught to expect our gathering together unto him lies beyond the appalling tribulation that shall come upon the world. So you see what he's saying there? He's saying if, if it's not, if we have to go through the tribulation, and this is the whole reason for the Stanton book, uh, arguing against being a mid-tribber or a post-tribulation, Christian, if we have to go through the tribulation, yeah. you, you get, you're going to know when that is because you're going to see the anti, you're going to be on earth and the antichrist is, and you're going to know. So th- there's, it changes your whole, uh, that's what he's saying. Um, it's, and it's a hope and it's a comfort, but a lot of, um, commentators is what the Stanton, um, uh, the guy says, he says, 
they say there's a lot of um, biblical scholars who think that we are go through the tribulation and that when we say it's a comfort that we don't, they're saying, well, you're, you're, uh, you're all about comfort and it's not going to be comfort. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> buck up and you gotta <laughs> go through the tribulation. Come on, soldier. And we're saying, oh, we're not going to, we're very comforted. And he's saying that that's kind of the easy way out. It's interesting because yeah. I was reading that. So, um, good quote there. Okay. So 10 and 11. Oh, and I, if I, don't get through this. Well, we can <laughs> continue next week. But ten eleven is um, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured and have heard of the endurance of Job, and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. So we looked at Macrothumea. Besides being patient. Uh, he has the ability to suffer, which is kakopathia. Uh, um, it's a different word for suffering than pashko. Pashko is used a lot, and that has the feeling of ill or being vexed or in a state of passion or just being in pain. It's a bad plight, is pashko. But this is uh, kakos, uh, which is evil, harm, injurious, or being ill, and pathia or pathos is whatever befalls one. Um, it's a calamity or a mishap, so you put those together. And is not this a perfect uh, definition of what Job went through? He went through a, a cacopathia, this evil calamity, evil mishap. Um, so James is perfectly clear with that. He not only says to uh, the ability to suffer, but then add to that, we should have endurance. And I'm going through this on like, how do we do all this? And Bob would say, well, we have the life. You need to have the, the life of Christ. And what we're studying in Romans is certainly the key to that is to to be dead to these, uh, the uh, to be uh, Dead to the sin of complaining or, or impatience. Um, that's all old man stuff. So the idea of endurance, that's, um, hupomeno, and we know what that is, that's living under or abiding under the pain, the illness, the plight, uh, the mishap and calamity. Hupo is under, meno is abiding. So live under that is, is what James is, uh, referencing Job about here. Job, I don't know if this is a word. <laughs> I, I can always, uh, I'll just make up a word. Hupomenoed. He hupomenoed his calamity. And I was reading, it could have been, I thought it was like a week, maybe two, three, but they were saying this could have been two years or 20 years or 40 years that Job Whoa. did this. Um because he lived to 140, so you don't know when he went through his sufferings. So here's his sufferings, Job. Um, he, he lost he, loss of seven sons and three daughters, loss of 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, uh, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, loss of a great number of servants. He was smitten with sore boils. 
from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Um, and I just took this verbatim from, from Job chapter one, the loss of support of his wife, right? She didn't, um, it was, more, like, it was more than the support. Right. She, uh, yeah. She had a few unkind words. Unkind words. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, well, my wife, uh, I suffer this like every week with my wife. But anyway, um, loss of support from his wife, loss of support from his friends. And I added in there, I don't know if I have it. Um, loss, he was a city elder. And so they all abandoned him too. So he lost his standing in, in, in uh, yeah, with the, the city, um, and his colleagues there. So through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God is what, um, God says in Job 122. Um, just a point of interest between Job's use of wealth, as you remember from last week, we had the rich man from 5-1. James's rich man hoarded wealth and he oppressed the poor. But Job was exceedingly wealthy. Uh, but we learn in Job 29 that he delivered the poor and the orphan. He came to the aid of the dying and the widow. He was a father to the needy and he rescued the legally oppressed. Um, he would break the laws of the, and he would break the jaws of the wicked and he'd rescue the poor from the, the jaws of the wicked. So he treated, he, he handled his wealth very well. Um, the exact opposite of our rich man in, in James uh, chapter five and verse one. Um, God himself recognized Job as a moral excellent man from Job one eight and two three. So he got the endorsement from God himself. Um, at the end of the, his testing, the Lord was compassionate and merciful. He restored and doubled, uh, Job's wealth in Job chapter 42. Um, and it says that God blessed him more in his latter days than in his earlier days. Um, so God certainly did what it, James says in verse 11. He, he, he blessed Job who, uh, who endured under his impossible plight and he was compassionate and merciful. And that's where we'll end there. So I got through all of 11, but it was okay. sort of quick through 11. So we'll yeah. see. We'll, next see. Week we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll wrap it up. Um, prayer. Anyone? Roger, you would you? Sure, sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time today, Lord. We thank you for the blessings we have in our Savior. Thank you for the your word, Father, just for the your marvelous word that shows us uh, who you are and who we are too, Lord. We thank you for the blessings of that. In Christ's name, amen.